This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome, everybody, to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. Hopefully, everybody's got some great Memorial Day plans. Hopefully, the weather cooperates and you can sprinkle in some hockey for your soul during the course of the weekend as it looks like we'll have games right up until guaranteed Saturday and we'll see if the St. Louis Blues can force a game seven tonight and maybe have us a game on Sunday and then a possible game seven on Monday with the Rangers and the Hurricanes. So there's a possibility we'll still be going through the second round here over the weekend, but kind of it just we'll start with the Rangers because it's just so distressing. And we could talk all we want about, well, the Hurricanes at home and they get the last change, but there's something beyond that. How both of these teams can be just completely different based on the venue. I mean, Carolina is a completely different team on the road, and it shows with the record. They're they, 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 they're own five on the road. It's not even close, and at home you can't touch them. And the Rangers, they do have a road victory in Pittsburgh in Game Six, which was huge and kept their season alive. But other than that, some of their worst performances of the year have taken place on the road in the playoffs. And this is one of the best road teams in the NHL. So what's going on? And what's going on is is that they're just not getting consistent enough play from their stars. And we can we can give credit to Carolina and and what the stall line has been able to do against Savannah, Jad, Kreider, and Vetrano. But you can only give the opposition so much credit. Eventually, you got to turn it on yourself. And and that's why I was very happy with Galan after the game, who was complimentary of Carolina, but pointing the finger at his own team that they've just got to do more. Seventeen shots on goal. In the biggest game in some of these players' lives, nothing from Panarin, nothing from Kreider. Kreider's got one shot on goal on the road in this series. One. He's a 52-goal scorer. Zabanajad had the power play goal, but only had one shot on goal, five on five, the rest of the game. The Rangers were down a goal, had seven shots on goal in the third period, got outshot 13-7, to and... They had two shots in the final 10 minutes of regulation, both of those shots coming when they pulled the goaltender with two minutes left and had to create that advantage just to be able to get the shot on goal. And Artemi Panarin is a singular talent. There's no question. But I'm sorry, you got to give me more five-on-five. Five. You just got to. And, and I, I, you know, the line shuffling is great, but... You know, it comes down to these players just doing a better job of getting shots on goal, taking advantage of situations. Give Carolina credit. They were very, very good. They jumped on every mistake. Dave Maloney said it before the game started. Do not make mistakes. Carolina will jump on it. Truba turns over the puck on the power play, results in a 2-1-1. They give up the shorthanded goal. Svechnikov on the breakaway. They put the game away to make it 3-1, not protecting the puck. Kreider says he needs to be better along the wall. He's absolutely right. But, you know, there's there's isolated incidents. I wish this was a television show where I can kind of go over the replays. You know, it was one like Heedle's driving between the circles and just throws a pass to no one. To no one. Shoot the puck. Doesn't go through, so what? But to just throw a pass, and what ends up happening, and here's, here's where an errant pass is so devastating in hockey because everyone is moving in one direction. So you throw a pass that gets deflected away, isn't completed, it's going to probably get an odd man rush the other way because everybody else is moving forward. They get to exit the zone, and now you're chasing. And 
So it's not just a missed opportunity that you didn't complete the pass and didn't shoot the puck. It's probably going to lead to an opportunity for them on the other side of the ice. So just a very, very distressing game. really is because you felt so good after game four and started to fantasize about winning this series and going to the conference final. But it's kind of just humbling when you see what happened in game five and, and you're just reminded maybe as a team, they're just not ready yet for this. That it's not so much the mistakes because we can talk about you know Fox and Miller and you know Kako in the beginning of the series and how well Lafreniere has played and Heedle he's played very well. But it's not about whether you're playing well or not playing well. It's just about in a moment like that, a game five series tied at two, it's season defining. And you saw some mistakes that you just you can't have. From, from veterans, but even kids. And I'm not sure exactly if we got a straight answer on why did Gallant lose faith in Kako? Because it, as he was shifting lines around, you know, Mott's getting a chance to play on the third line. Kako stayed with Rooney and Reeves. And I thought Kako was very good early in the series. But maybe it's just a case of Gallant knowing better than we are. He's just not ready for this moment. And if it's not going to be all hands on deck... And then you just you just realize that or maybe they'll win game six, maybe they'll force a game seven, maybe they catch a break and they move on, but you kind of get a sense that just Carolina is better suited for this moment than the Rangers are. And give the Rangers credit, they've got a lot of heart, and that's why they're still alive in this thing. All right? Uh, there's only six teams left as we speak right now, and they're one of the six, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. But now this is where the rubber hits the road. All right, now are you a pretender or a real contender? And last night maybe was a window into the team is just not ready yet, which is okay because we all felt they were a year early anyway. And maybe this all can be a learning experience. And the pulse is still there, so we don't want to throw dirt on them just yet. But game five was a great indicator that maybe they're just not ready. And give Sveshnikov credit, hadn't done anything the entire series, he scores on the breakaway. Trocek hadn't done anything in this series, he scores shorthanded. Teravainen, very good player, had a great night last night. Ranta was good when he had to be, although he was hardly tested. Ten shots on goal through the first, you know, uh, 40 minutes of this game is just not good enough. But, you know, he needed to make the saves when he needed to. I thought Shesterkin was good. You can't blame him for any of the goals that were scored. But still, maybe just not ready. And we'll see what they can do. When they get home for game six, another thing that kind of bothered me about the Rangers' performance last night, it was something Dave Maloney said towards the end of the game and something that was reiterated in the post-game press conference with Gerard Gallant. They look tired. That's not good because you're not getting any rest, okay? You get on a plane this morning, fly back to New York, maybe get a little bit of a practice, meet the media, and then tomorrow you got a game. Now, maybe they'll be energized by the crowd and it'll be a different contest, but then guess what? Monday, back you know, back on a plane Sunday, Monday you're playing game seven. You know, there's no real chance to, to rest. And if you do catch a break and you do win this series, guess what? You've got a team in Tampa hadn't played in over a week, so and I'm sure they're going to get right to work on the conference final. The NHL wants to get these, these games in before we hit July, so I'm sure... You know, if if the Rangers were to win a game seven on Monday, I would not be surprised Wednesday, game one, will be against Tampa in the conference final. So you're not getting any rest. You're not going to get a blow. 
So if you're tired now, down three games to two, and oh, by the way, Carolina perfect 9-0 and in their history when having a 3-2 series lead, you're going to need everything you can get. So maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I'm playing Captain Literal Man by the coach saying they look tired. But if they look tired, when are you going to get any rest? How is that going to help you, the heavy lifting of winning the next two games and advancing? So, boy, what a difference a day makes. After game four, Ranger fans, and legitimately so, the way that they played, felt like, wow, maybe this can happen, and then slapped right back in the face as Carolina answered the Rangers' game four performance with a tremendous performance on their own in game five, and now the Rangers face elimination. Hopefully, if you're a Ranger fan, home ice holds serve, and you can at least survive until Monday. How give give the Edmonton Oilers a lot of credit, okay? We can kill the Calgary Flames all we want, and their goaltending was not great in this series for Markstrom. And, you know, the loss of Tanif early in the series certainly hurt them. But Edmonton just played amazing. They they just did. And Dry is just a beast. Seventeen points in five games in the second. That's, that's sick. That I'm still looking for the puck that McDavid's shot and scored in overtime. I mean, I saw the flick of the wrist. I saw the net bend. I never saw the puck. I mean, the guy's shot is just incredible, and I'm just salivating at a possibility of Edmonton and Colorado, although St. Louis still is alive and has a say tonight at home. But give Edmonton a lot of credit, man, and give Mike Smith a lot of credit. I, I, he's They're not good enough. He's not good enough to win a cup, but at 40 years old, you know, he's doing what he has to do, and he's going to be playing – in the conference final, and I think that's a really, really cool thing. It's a great story for him. You know, it had been literally a decade the last time he's been in the conference final when he was, you know, 30 years old with the uh, then Phoenix Coyotes and now getting a chance to do it in Edmonton. I'm happy for the fans of Edmonton. This is the first taste of success they've had literally since 2006 when they made that miracle run to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final against Carolina. Now, the controversy in this one, of course, came late in the third period when it looked like the Flames broke the tie and Coleman's goal was taken off the board because it was kicked in. And I could see a Flame fan being upset about that. I mean, clearly no other goals were scored the rest of the way, and we could be talking about a game six coming up on Saturday if the goal had counted. Do I think in my heart Coleman intended to make contact with his skate and put the puck in the net? I do. Did I necessarily see a distinct kicking motion? Well, that's in the eye of the beholder. Another pair of eyes in Toronto might have seen that a little bit differently, but boy, it could have gone either way. And I get frustrated with these off-the-skate goals because you get into the distinct kicking motion when you know that pucks are being directed into the net without the distinct kicking motion. Just put angle your 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 skate in a certain way and have it deflect in where sometimes when I see what happened last night, I feel like, you know what, just let them all in. All right? Let them all in. It's it's so difficult to score in this league anyway, maybe not in this particular series, but overall, you know what, just let them all in. You know, maybe if you if it looks like you kicked it like a football, but as far as like the motion and trying to dissect and, you know, chop it down to a fine powder, was it a distinct kicking motion? Was it redirected in by the skate? Just sometimes you're like, you know what, just give him credit. He was in the right place at the right time. The goal was scored. Just count it. But that's not how the rule reads. And by the letter of the law, do I think he intended to do that? I do. But I can totally see a Flame fan going, where was the distinct kicking motion? But congratulations to the Oilers. They advance, and they'll wait the winner of St. Louis and Colorado, and that'll be game six tonight, TNT, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Colorado leads the series 3-2. 
how will they overcome what happened in game in game five? McDavid, uh, excuse me, um, Nathan McKinnon scores the goal. Looks like they're going on to win in five. And then next thing you know, a late goal, goal in overtime, which I thought was a bad goal by Kempfer. And now the Avalanche have to go to St. Louis. Blues have a heart of a champion. Would anybody be surprised if there's a game seven on Sunday? And now you look at the history of Colorado and their problems getting out of the first two rounds. How much does that now wear on them? Having to get on a plane, go to St. Louis when they had it look like the series wrapped up. And and there's no shame in losing a game in St. Louis. And then maybe having to go back to Colorado in a game seven facing what could be another disappointing playoff run for the Colorado Avalanche and Jared Bednar. So we'll see if that kind of has them squeezing their sticks tonight. Should be should be a lot of fun. And now that we know the Flames are out and the Edmonton Oilers move on, that Hurricanes-Rangers game six on Saturday is a standalone game on ESPN. So that will be an 8 o'clock face-off and then a possible game seven coming up on Sunday with a possible game seven on Monday. And then if I had to guess... You know, we will see the conference finals begin on Wednesday or Thursday. I haven't heard anything yet, but that that's, again, the NHL's got an appetite of just let's let's march on here. We don't want to play into July. We want to stay in our television windows here. So I would not be surprised at the direction that they go in. All right, let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. I'm sure a lot of people want to talk about what's going on here. David Hines says, follow uh, following up the Coyotes' decision from last week, if you could play God, and if you couldn't keep the Yotes in Phoenix, where would you move the team? Would you resurrect the Nordiques or plant a new team, new moniker, in the likes of Houston, Hamilton, or Regina? Well, I don't think... Here's the thing, all right? Especially with a new television deal. And listen, the ratings have been good for the Calgary-Edmonton series, and certainly they didn't have any problems putting Toronto on national television or Montreal last year during their run, but you've already got seven Canadian franchises. Are you really going to go to eight, have eight of your 32 teams be north of the border? I would love it. I think Hamilton deserves a team. Regina deserves a team. Quebec City's got a building ready to go. Those fans are rabid. They'd love to have a franchise. But does it make sense to add an eighth team when you have teams in the U.S. looking for a chance to play? Now, if you're looking... At the structure, Coyotes moved to the Central Division when Seattle came in. So it would make sense without having to restructure anything to just have them go to Houston. Houston's been hot for a team. It's a great metropolis, one of the top 10 most populated cities in the country. Uh, The Rockets have done well there. The Astros, the Texans coming over after the Oilers left would complete things. There's a history there, of course, with the Houston Arrows of the WHA and Gordie Howe and all that. And you just stick them right in the Central Division, create a great rivalry with the Dallas Stars, who are kind of on an island by themselves, right? I mean, the closest thing to Dallas is Arizona. Well, now you move them right into the same state. Uh, That, to me, seems to make the most sense. Um, Yukahara says, other than McDavid, who clearly is the best in the world? Who do you think has been the star of the playoffs so far? Well, I would not put him in the list of the McDavid's and the Gaudreau's and the McKinnon's, but Evander Kane has had an amazing, amazing playoff run here with Edmonton. He's got 12 goals. It's a great story. I think he's on odds on favor for the Conn Smythe. If 
Ronta continues to play the way he's playing for Carolina. I think he's got a chance at the Conn Smythe. Certainly, when you look at uh, the, the the play of McKinnon as of late, what has he got? Seven, eight goals would have to be certainly uh, in, in the conversation. Uh, but, you know, Dreisaitl, of course, with his monster second round. So those are the names that kind of pop up to me other uh, than McDavid. Uh, Jim says, can the duo of McDavid and Dreisaitl carry them to the Stanley Cup? I, I As much as I'm a fan, I just don't know if Smith is the goaltender to do it. I just don't know. I'm sure Calgary's kicking themselves. They didn't take more of advantage of it. But, you know, Colorado's sitting there asking the same question. Can Kempfer be the guy to lead them? Uh, If Anderson doesn't come back for Carolina, is Ronta the guy to lead them? You know, Shesterkin has never been in this situation before. You know, who's so right now would have to be the guy to carry St. Louis if they were able to get out of that series. Really, outside of Asilevsky in Tampa, I don't think anybody can feel like, well, we've got a Stanley Cup champion goaltender right now based on their recent history of play. That's why I'm kind of thinking this thing is really setting up for Tampa to do this again. It really is. They're well-rested. They're getting healthier. We'll see what happens with point uh, as we get closer uh, to the conference final. And if they do eventually move on to the Stanley Cup final, they've got an amazing goaltender. They've got an amazing coach. They've got a world-class defenseman in Hedman Kucherov, Stamkos. So, God, it's kind of leaning. And when you look at it, if I'm going to sit there and disrespect Smith and disrespect Ronta and disrespect Kemper as far as not having that kind of experience, then I have to look at Vasilevsky and I have to look at Tampa as the team to beat right now, right? Is that that crazy a thought? James James says, hey, Don, it's clear that Gallant needs to make more in-game adjustments to overcome the matchups the Hurricanes are going with in their home games. What do you think the Rangers would need to do to overcome those matchups if this series goes to a seventh game? Well, would I have moved Kako up? Sure, but he has made adjustments. What other adjustments do you want him to make? I mean, he moved Heedle uh, to replace Vetrano on the top line, so you move him from center to wing. All right, you saw Lafreniere move up to get a chance to play with Strom and Panarin. I mean, he's making the in-game adjustments. Eventually, it just comes down to the players having to learn to play and be the players that they were. Your best players have to be your best players. And outside of Zabanajad, who had his moments, can the Criders, can the Panarins of the world really say that they've played to the level that they did in the regular season? I thought Strom was great last night. The goal was disallowed on the offside. But he had three shots outside of that. Cop had a good game as well. But, uh, you, you know, you, your big guns have to be your big guns, and that hasn't happened. Yankees and Penguins says, hey, Don, do you think that the Flames will be able to field an elite team again next year, or was this their best shot? Well, they're going to have you know some decisions to make, and we'll talk to E.J. Raddick next week to go over all the contracts and everything else. Markstrom had an amazing regular season, not the greatest of postseasons for sure. I thought Goudreau was really good. Kachuk, okay. Um, they need some help on the blue line. I think that's probably an area that they need to adjust. But you know, when you look at that division, um, you know, obviously battling with Edmonton. But I, I think the Flames will be back for sure. I, I've got no no problem thinking that they should not be able to be one of the best teams in the Pacific Division next year. All right, here's the lay of the land moving forward here because we've got the holiday coming up on Monday. So um, we're going to take the break there. Let's come back on Wednesday because I believe that'll be the start of the conference final. So we'll be able to recap everything that happened over the weekend, set you up for the conference final on Wednesday. But I'll be around. I'll be doing the uh, pre and post for Game 6 tomorrow when the Rangers take on the uh, Hurricanes. And if there's a Game 7, I'll be doing that on Monday. 
and I'll be watching hockey when I'm not working. So get in touch with me at, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. That's always the best way to do that. And we'll see if we can get EJ on Wednesday um, and get, get his thoughts on everything moving forward for the third round of the playoffs. So I'll let you know, but I think we'll just be back on Wednesday with game misconduct. So listen, enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. Hopefully the weather's good. Enjoy all the hockey. Hopefully you get a, a couple of game sevens, which would be awesome for the sport. We had five of them in the first round, and we got a potential uh, two that we can have. Hopefully get at least one uh, for your soul heading into the third round of the playoffs. So we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.